Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. We're now live. Yes, good evening. It's seven o'clock and we're now live. We're live on Facebook and we're also live on YouTube. I say we, me really, uh, mainly me, and also um, Instagram, obviously. Some of my biggest fans on Instagram. I've got funny eye. Um, uh, uh, I don't know what you call it, thing that you put over the top, which is. Uh, yeah, see, I do like before joining. I do like experimenting with the things that you put over the top. I'm sure there's a word for it, but um, things like that. Hey, Kelsey, good to see you. Uh, a little bit distracting, you could uh, you could argue. So perhaps I'll try and turn it off. Presuming you are pressing the same button. Nope. Okay, not by pressing the same button. By oops. Okay, how do we turn it off? There we go. Turn it off. Um, oh. Look at that request. Carly Aussie sent a request. Now, Carly Aussie, normally people do that because um, it was a mistake. So I'm going to assume it's a mistake. But if it isn't, let me know. Put a message, say it wasn't a mistake. You want to talk and we can do a, we can, we, I think it does split screen and, um, oh, you've done it again. Should I accept it? I will, I will, I will accept it. I'm warning you, I will accept it if you want me to accept it. But um, just to be aware that sometimes people press the wrong button. All right, shall I, shall I accept it? Oh, it's gone now. Okay. So I'm assuming you press the wrong button. Um, it's quite easy to press the wrong button. But, uh, but by all means, just put a message say you do want to talk and we can do a split screen and maybe that can be a new dimension to the uh to the q a because god knows we need a new dimension but uh at the moment we've only got this dimension so we're going to stick with it uh which is q's and a's if you've got a q then please feel free to um to 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 ask and i will do my level best to respond but um i've got some cues here kelsey sorry see you in four weeks i am counting the days kelsey absolutely four weeks till i see you looking forward to seeing you then um it's on, my, it's on my calendar. So um, I'm going to just kick off if that's okay. Um, do we offer hematoma treatment to a non-existing patient? Non-existing patient? <laughs> well, if it's a non-existing patient, anyway. Yeah, I know what you mean to a patient that's not a patient of mine. Um, no. No. Short answer. I mean, why... I mean, why would you, I suppose, is that a silly question? Why would you, I was going to say, why would you want a different doctor to do your hematoma? I mean, a hematoma comes relatively shortly after the surgery. So why would you not want your original surgeon to do the surgery? Unless I guess you're so deeply unhappy with the surgeon, but you know, how, how, what would your surgeon have done to you to make you so deeply unhappy within such a short period of time? Presumably you were happy with them because you went with the surgery with them. Um, so my advice is always the same, go and see your original surgeon, um, uh, because your original surgeon will, 
almost certainly, I don't know if I'm right in saying this, almost certainly do it for free. I think most, you know, hematoma is a is a standard post-op complication that would be um, evacuated without having to pay. So if you went to see me, for instance, I would charge you to to evacuate hematoma. And um, uh, well, as I say, I wouldn't I wouldn't do it because I don't tend to want to kind of take on patients in the immediate post-operative period. It's one of my um, things that I say to patients is that if you uh, are having treatment somewhere, you pay a lot of money for this operator for this surgery. It's all self-pay, all the surgery that uh, that I do. It's all cosmetic, which is self-pay. It's not insured. And the difference between self-pay and insured is that when you're doing as a doctor, when you're doing insured work, you get paid for every procedure. So you'll get paid for the surgery, you'll get paid for the hematoma. If they have a hematoma, you'll get paid for every consultation. Um, you get paid, you know, it, basically um, each each uh, thing the patient has done is paid for by the insurance company. So the, pay, pay, the insurance company pay for, you know, all the blood tests or the x-rays or the um, whatever. When you have self-pay patients, the hospitals and clinics and stuff put together a self-pay package. So a self-pay package tries to give trans some transparency. So it says if you want to have a tummy tuck or a breast implants or a mole removal or whatever it may be, this is how much you pay. You don't have to pay for tests. You don't have to pay for uh, problems if you get a hematoma or if you get an infection or if you get a wound breakdown or whatever it is you don't have to pay so it's a fixed price package and so it's a it's a package price for the surgery and all of the aftercare um, and that is why when someone has surgery somewhere else and says look I'm not happy will you kind of take on my aftercare personally I don't tend to do that because I'm like it's not kind of fair to say to my current patients, you know, my current patients have perhaps, perhaps I don't know, but let's say they paid more than what the other patients paid. You can't just sort of pay for the aftercare. We don't have an aftercare package that you can pay for. So I don't tend to take on people who are kind of like immediately post-op. I tend to um, just look after my own patients and suggest to those patients they see their original surgeon. But I know it's difficult when patients are, um, uh, are let down by surgeons. And uh, one of the problems, again, for me as a surgeon, is it's always diffi more difficult looking at people who have had surgery by someone else because it's always more difficult to treat someone who... Um, has already had surgery. Revision surgery is pretty much always more difficult than than the first time because there's scar tissue and the difficulties, and it's always better if you can to stick with your original surgeon. Uh, Kelsey, what filter have you got on? I'm hoping that was an old message because I haven't got one on. I think I've taken it off. There was a thing for my eyes. It was an eye one. Um, that's all I can say, Kelsey. At the bottom, there's a lot of those, these little icons come up, and I just press one of them. Uh, that's as much as I can. Uh, that's as much as I can say about it. Fairy dust is coming for your hooded eye surgery. Can't wait. All booked in. Fairy dust. Looking forward to seeing you because we've got a, um, a couple of extra surgeons now. So that's really exciting. Um, really looking forward to growing it and building it, and you know having a few of us who kind of work together. 
that's always been my um, dream. Maybe that's an overstatement. Goal. <laughs> it's always been my goal is to have a, a a place where there's a few of us where we work together and uh, support each other. So thanks for booking in, Fairy Dust. Very much looking forward to seeing you uh, in the clinic soon. Um, Oh, so yeah, do we, all right. So I've done that question, all right. Do we offer hematoma treatment for a non-existing patient? So I think you're not, it wouldn't be non-existing, would it? It'd be a, a non-current, uh, you know, not a current patient or whatever. It's good to have a goal. It is good to have a goal. It is essential to have a goal, fairy dust. It is essential. Otherwise you're just at the mercy of life. Um, I have two to three inch ab separation since having children two years ago but i hardly have any excess skin would it be possible to help me really difficult situation um for this this is and um so in short answer don't worry i'm going to do a long answer but short answer is no i wouldn't be able to help you <clears throat> If you've just got an abdominal separation of your muscles, your rectus abdominis muscles, your six-pack muscles are apart, and you've got what we call a divarification of the rectile muscles or diastasis of your rectile muscles, so your rectile muscles are apart, and you've got a bulge, usually because having children, particularly multiple pregnancies, um, can stretch those muscles apart, and, and there's a bulge there. Uh, it is quite easy and routine to to fix that as part of the tummy tuck because when you do a tummy tuck you take out uh the skin of the lower abdomen you dissect all the way up to the rib cage and then you pull the skin down and that means that the whole length of the rectus abdominis muscle from the rib cage from what we call the zipper sternum down to the pubic area is exposed and it's quite easy to stitch those uh, muscles back together it's a routine part of a tummy tuck so as part of the tummy tuck no question that's an easy problem to fix if you don't have a tummy tuck, however, and you just have that ab separation and you don't have enough skin for a tummy tuck, because some people don't have enough skin, like this patient hasn't got enough spare skin that you can actually do a tummy tuck. You can't remove that skin that you normally remove the tummy tuck, which goes from the belly button all the way down. And you just want to have a repair of that of the ab separation well then it is possible to do it i know the minute ago, a minute ago i said the answer is no it is possible to repair that but the problem is how do you get to those muscles to bring them together because if you're kind of just well the the answer to it is you make a direct incision over it you make an incision straight down the middle and you can repair the muscles that way so it is possible to do it so i said i wouldn't do it it is possible to do it and it's possible to do it by making incisions straight down and bringing those muscles together the problem is that's not a great scar it kind of looks like you've had a laparotomy it looks like you've had abdominal surgery and um it, it's just not a it's just not a great scar and um and it, from a cosmetic point of view it's not good so um um so I don't think personally, I don't, I don't you know, I, I guess, you know, and, and for a two to three inch uh, ab separation, I probably wouldn't do it. Uh, um, what when you do a tummy tuck, you the scars in your bikini line and it's much more cosmetically uh, acceptable. Um, but you cannot get all the way up to the top of your rib to the zipper sternum through that incision 
because when you're doing a tummy tuck you're already starting from halfway up the abdomen i don't know if that makes sense because you're taking out that ellipse of skin so you're starting at a point above the belly button and then you just have to go that last bit if you were doing it starting at the pubic area and you have to go all the way up past the belly button put the belly button now what the heck do you do with the belly button um and you know it it's i have tried it i'll be honest with you full disclosure i have tried it and uh, that's why i'm saying no <laughs> Because I have tried it, and just between you and me, there's not, there's no one here, is there? Just between you and me. I mean, I'll be honest with you, it didn't, it didn't work. I tried it. I tried it on someone. They didn't have exactly this. It's going back a bit now, but it still, I wouldn't say haunts me. That's probably the wrong way to, word to use, but um, you know, it's still, it's still kind of upsetting to me that I did try and do this, and I tried to make that lower abdominal incision. I tried to go all the way up and repair the diverification of the erectile muscles without doing a tummy tuck. And as I say, it's a quite an easy thing to do with a tummy tuck. It was a, I wouldn't say a nightmare, but it was pretty bad. And not only was it pretty bad, I didn't really fix it. And um, I think I, I think I had to go, I think I went back and tried it again and still didn't fix it. It was just, it was painful. And it's just like, oh God, why this is so hard because you're trying to go all oh, this massive tunnel, this deep dark tunnel. You're trying to put stitches in, and oh god, it's hot. So um, yeah, not doing that again. I tell you. So yeah, so back to the short answer. I wouldn't do it. I don't want to put myself through that again. Um, I don't want to put myself through that again. Trying to do it through a horizontal incision. And personally, I think having the uh, um, vertical excision with incision, which would look like a laparotomy would have more personally i think it'd have more adverse consequences cosmetic consequences than um than the bulge personally but 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 i guess i guess we could have that this discussion but uh it, we're probably not gonna have that discussion based on what i've just said there because i think i've probably um counted myself out as being a potential surgeon for i don't know who's asked this question but i guess they're probably running for the door as we speak and looking for a more appropriate surgeon which is fine you cannot win them all you can't win them all i don't think i'd win this one and uh i get I, my advice would be to think about whether you have surgery at all um the other thing i'll be thinking is to see if you did have enough excess because if you've had enough if you've had children to the extent that you can have that significant a diverification it might be that you would have enough spare skin that's the other thing i'm thinking it's an unusual situation to have that diverification without the spare skin it's not impossible but it's unusual so that's the thing in the back of my mind but in the front of my mind is look i don't want to put myself through this and so um so it's a no um right from me so see if we can get an operation that I can do. Can I have a cyst removed that is located on the crown of my head prior to having a hair transplant in October? Or is it best to wait until after the hair transplant to have the cyst removed? Um, I don't think it matters greatly, um, but I guess if I'm going, so it's not like a definite got to do it this way or that way. But I'm guessing if you're going to go a bit over 50%, maybe 60, 70%, I'm going have it done first before your hair transplant. Because when you have the cyst removed, you, well, 
if they're doing the hair transplant, they probably wouldn't want to do it into the cyst. Uh, but if you're having the cyst removed, then we might remove a bit of skin, depending on how big your cyst is. Might remove a little bit of skin. So if that bit, only a tiny bit of skin, but if that tiny bit of skin has got a bit of hair transplant in it, that might be a bit annoying that we've removed a bit of hair transplant skin. Um, so I'd probably go for uh, have it done first. I mean, having the cyst removed will leave a little scar, and that scar will not have hair on it. So this is something slightly different thing to to um, to consider if you're having a uh, cyst removed on your scalp because one of the problems with scars on the scalp is that if you haven't got any hair, if it's a bit like you know a bit thinning. Uh, if you've got no hair, uh, the scar often, once it fades, is pretty hard to see. If you've got big bushy hair, like <clears throat> the scar is hard to see. The problem with the scar on the scalp is if you've got like close cropped hair. So the paradox is if you've got no hair where the cyst is, then if you have a scar, it might not be too much of a problem. But if you then get a hair transplant and you get a bit of hair there, especially if the hair is quite short and close, close, close cropped, you might have a defect. You might have a line in your hair, which might be actually a bit more obvious than if you had no hair at all. So the scar might be more obvious if you have a little bit of hair compared to whether you've got no hair at all. So that's kind of something to consider if you're having a cyst removed uh, in that part of your head and it depends on how obvious the cyst is, because if the cyst isn't very obvious, then you might want to kind of leave it really, um, because it might cosmetically look better than having a scar. I mean, it's something for a discussion, but it's um, one of the things to consider, but like if you have a scar on your face, you know, if you have like clean shaven, then, uh, then, then the scar usually fades pretty well. If you have a big bushy beard, then the scar is completely hidden within the beard. The problem is you have it like a George Michael, like really close cut beard, then you can have that like line in that close cut beard. So it's always a bit of a problem with a with a close cut with kind of shorter hair, really. Um, very long hair and no hair is better than shorter hair if you're having a cyst on your uh, hairy part of your body, which is usually men's beard and heads, men's heads as well, because female heads, it's usually fine because they've got more hair than men. Uh, don't want to be um, called out for, you know, being sexist. But I mean, that's fascinating in itself. Why do men lose their hair and not women? Fascinating area of study. Perhaps we can talk about that on another another day. Uh, number one, butsies. A bit of advice, please, doctor. I had a breast uplift and reduction last March 2022 in Turkey. No issues. Healed lovely. Now, 18 months later, where the scarring is anchor scar, we abscesses have developed. Don't stop leaking. All superficial. No imperfection present. Unusual. No butsies. I'll give you one. Number one butsies. I'll give you that. Been referred to a breast specialist and GPs. Don't know what's happening. Um, unusual for that long after the surgery. 18 months but probably uh the issue is going to be uh, at the t-junction is the tightest point if you look at the markings of a uh of a breast lift then um or, or breast reduction then then the tightest point is that t-junction and there's an awful lot of sutures at the t-junction 
and if the sutures don't uh, don't um, uh, dissolve, then they can cause this sort of problem. They can cause um, localized superficial abscesses, infections. They can spit out and they can cause problems. And that's the most common place to have it. 18 months, I'll be honest, is a long time to have it afterwards. Usually it's in the first few months afterwards. Um, but uh, if that that that's all probably the answer there's some suture material in there uh it's all um the body's got got uh, annoyed with it and is kind of spitting it out and so depends on how bad it is it would be like usually well often you don't need anything if it gets infected you might need some antibiotic if it's really bad you might want to look at maybe taking some suture out especially after 18 months because it's all pretty well healed so kind of exploring the area and seeing if there's kind of suture material there that needs to be removed because we often use well um, personally I often use quite a long dissolving a suture that takes a bit longer to dissolve as my first suture it's often the only one I put in at that t-junction and it because it's a heavier stronger suture and I put it in at the t-junction um, because that's where I need the heavier suture. Because when you put it in, if you, ever this, if you ever see the surgery, it's under a lot of tension. So if you use a lighter suture, that often breaks. So I put a strong suture at that T-junction, but I try and hide it deep, because if you don't hide it deep, and if it gets too superficial, because it's a strong suture, it takes a lot longer to dissolve, because it's kind of thicker. They dissolve by being in contact with water. And, the, and so a suture, like a, 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 a a tube of suture has got water all the way around it but when you have a knot the water of your body around it is kind of like just on the outskirts and it's not getting to the center of it so after a while it it, it doesn't dissolve because there's, there's so much uh, suture material because again when we do knots you do kind of th throws so you do certain throws you know like when you do your shoelaces up that that'd be one throw but you will often do more throws at the t-junction which will give you a bigger knot which will be stronger, but will actually potentially take a bit longer to um, to dissolve. So that's um, that's can be an issue. Uh, sorry, there's comments coming up there, front and center. Bring for her to breast specialist. They have no answer. It's all around the it's all around the nipples and T junction. Yes, it's like my body is opening the scars up. Doctors in Turkey say any stitches in breast would be dissolved by now. Okay, well, doctors in Turkey will probably know because they know what sutures they used. Um, one of the problems with sutures is is they say so it depends on what suture they use because i've got a lot of stick go and look at my um well you don't have to but if you did look at my uh youtube video on how long does a suture take to dissolve because that was something someone asked me on one of these q a's and i said oh it depends on what type of suture and they, they all the comments said oh you haven't answered the question but it does i mean there's there's some sutures um pds for instance takes a lot longer to dissolve than monocryl um, you know, so some sutures take longer to dissolve by crawl. So they they will say the suture takes, I don't know, six weeks, eight weeks to dissolve or something like that. But they're talking about the, the thread of the suture. When it comes to a knot, you can't really say how long that takes. But I agree with the doctors in Turkey in that 18 months is a long time for, to still be getting problems with sutures. But, it, you know, that's kind of what it sounds like. Um, if, if you're getting it at the T-junction, that's kind of what it sounds like. So um, I, I don't know what to say. Um, probably the, just treat it conservatively in terms of infection, the treat it with antibiotics and, and dressings if needs be. If it's really bad, then uh, you might need it to be explored to see if there's any suture material that can be removed because that will help make it heal quicker. 
but it, but if it's not sewage material, uh, I don't know what it is. Number one, butsy. Um, my my money is on it being a sewage material and being a knot, and there being a foreign body in there. But uh, that's that's my that's my uh, my view. But it's hard, isn't it? Well, I haven't seen you. I don't. So you know, as you, if you, if you always say it's best to see the you know, people who did the surgery and getting examined and stuff. So you say that the doctors in Turkey have said that. Have they seen you? You want them to see you, examine you, have a look what's going on, because it's kind of easy to say the stitches would have been dissolved by now, but you have got a problem. So it's like, what is the cause of the problem? So you really need to get someone to see you to see if there's uh, what's the what's the issue. Hi, is it normal to have to hold your tummy muscles in after a tummy tuck? Is this to avoid them becoming lazy? after wearing compressions for so long? No. I mean, I think it's good to hold your tummy in, in general, but no, I mean, I wouldn't say that's normal. The problem, loco loopy lose, is, um, and I said, talking to someone about this this morning, all doctors give different, so I'm assuming your doctor, as your doctor told you this, all doctors give different advice, and it's not that some are right and some are wrong, it's that we've just all got our own views. So if your doctor said this, then I go with it. You know, I don't, it doesn't sound unreasonable. I think, you know, exercising muscles is good. They say that about your pelvic floor, isn't it? You're supposed to sort of clench to sort of strengthen your pelvic floor. Um, so so I think, you know, I think it's probably going to help, I guess, to, to, to hold your tummy muscles in. But um, personally, I don't tell people to do that. But um, if, if it, you know, if that's what your doctor said, then that's fine. Is it normal? I don't know. If it, I, I haven't heard it before. Doesn't mean it's not normal, but uh, I don't think it's. it's a, I don't think it's a common bit of advice. I don't think. Might be wrong. Or well, pause due to poor connection. Oh, great, great. That's the internet. Anyway, Facebook's all right. All right, I'm back. I'm back. Okay, good. So I don't think it's normal, uh, loco loopy loose, but it doesn't sound that abnormal. So if that's what your surgeon said, go with it and see if it helps. But, uh, number one, Butsy's back. One breast has actually lost volume as it doesn't stop leaking this green stuff. Okay, that's a good view. Yeah, I, number one, Butsy, 18 months post-op, green stuff leaking. I'm thinking there's something in there. There's a foreign body in there. There's something in there, whether it be stitch or something. It's not normal 18 months post-op. I would say you need to see your surgeon and to maybe have it explored, have a look. Do we need to think about x-ray? Could there be a bit of swab in there or something? I don't know, because it's not normal. And if it's losing volume and stuff, there's something, it sounds like something going on 18 months post-op. Um, and you know does it need to be explored uh but yeah it's always difficult doing it like this but yeah that's one of the problems with turkey and stuff isn't it oh you've had a scan well done or mammogram yeah okay well that's good so so you've had an x-ray which is the mammogram scan apart from that well that's good so there's no swab in there so that's that's reassuring um so i've got to be on i'm going back to my suture one my suture um hypothesis but i if it's if it's yeah, if it's not a foreign body, it's good that you've had a um, had investigations, a scan, and a mammogram. That's really good. But uh, I guess it doesn't move you forward, but at least it eliminates stuff, which is reassuring. Because um, uh, I guess the next step, well, I don't know. 
is, is to explore the wound. If there, I'm assuming there's a wound. If there's a wound, if there's a break in the skin, to kind of explore that. I don't know if anyone's done that. Um, but yeah, sounds like a bit of a, a bit of a worry. Um, strange question, I know, but that's what my surgeon advised me to do. Oh, okay, I've never heard it neither. But thank you. Yeah, loco loopy loose. I would go with what your surgeon says. I don't want to. I, I, you know, I often get people saying stuff on here. And I always say, look, talk to your surgeon in the same way that if one of my patients went to another surgeon and said, oh, how long do you think I should wear the binder for her? You know, when can I do this or when can I do that? I feel like saying they should really ask me or how tight should I have the binder and stuff like that? Because I talk to my patients about it and I give them my view on it and my take on it and how I want to manage my patients. But we've all got different views. Funny bunch, plastic surgeons. It's a lot of things which have got kind of like opinion and I would just go with your surgeon. And if they said that, then they probably got good reason to say that. And 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 I would go with go with them. And don't listen to some random guy on the internet. Go with your your surgeon. Would be my advice. Uh, no, nothing. Yes, lots of wounds. Mm. Um, oh, we've done the hair transplant one. Uh, do you perform umbilicoplasty surgery? Yeah, this is something uh, Amy asked me uh, uh, yesterday, the day before. Um, so someone's inquired saying, now, so someone's inquired saying, do we perform umbilicoplasty surgery? The answer is yes. I mean, all umbilicoplasty means is changing the shape of the umbilicus. So changing the shape of the belly button. So do we change shapes of belly buttons? Well, yes, but... Uh, I really need a bit more context on it, uh, because what is the problem? Usually people have had surgery, commonly tummy tuck, because part of the tummy tuck is uh, reciting the belly button. So there might be problems with the shape of the belly button. Uh, but you could have a laparotomy, which has a scar through the belly button. Uh, you might not have had surgery at all. You might have been born without a belly button or with a problem with your belly button. So it's kind of like, what is the problem with the belly button? Um, as to whether we, so before we can say whether we can help or not but as a blanket question do we perform uh, umbilicoplasty well then yes we do we do change shapes of belly buttons but uh, it can carry a multitude of sins so what i would be um what would be helpful for for this person if they want and i'm trying to streamline the process at the clinic so people don't have to come to clinic that's just one of one of the reasons i do this so that people can kind of talk to me and they can see me uh, before coming to clinic because obviously you have to pay for consultations and stuff coming to clinic and it might be like oh like the patient with the ab separation and stuff it might not be worth paying to come and see me because I might not be able to help you if I can't I'd give you the money back but you might, might you know you don't want to maybe waste your time maybe you've got something better to do that day maybe I'm not your man so um, same with this umbilicoplasty people think what we're encouraging people to do is maybe if you give us a bit more information let us know if you've had surgery or not let us know specifically what the problem with the umbilicus is. Is it sticking out? Is it dented in? Is it too big, too small? Um, and is uh, and and send us a photo would be really helpful because then we can get a good idea of what the problem is. And then we can often give you a good idea of whether or not we can help and also give you an idea of how much it might cost if you were to need to have some surgery before you actually have to start paying money and coming to see us for clinics and uh, and appointments and stuff like that but in general terms yeah changing the shape of umbilicus is a thing that um that we would do and the thing that plastic surgeons do do but um but a little bit more info on that specifically would be helpful 
last question full disclosure one of the last question people so if you've got a question get it in because this guy's going in a minute uh tony's in the house good to see you tony um how long do i stay in hospital when having a thigh lift now uh regular viewers might know that uh i have quite a simplistic regime in my practice um in that pretty much whatever operation i do people have uh, a, a dressing clinic at one week appointment within six weeks then six months then 12 months then yearly for every operation um and similarly i have a relatively simplistic uh, uh, regime with stay in hospital so what would I say most a lot of surgery maybe probably not most but a lot of surgery is done as a day case which means you're in and out same day um breast lifts um breast implants smaller breast reductions uh these are all done as uh day cases bigger operations that might need drains uh, but you usually it's the drains that's going to kind of keep you in tummy tucks, bigger breast reductions, and thigh lifts and arm lifts, so I'd put into those uh, categories, stay overnight. <clears throat> and pretty much um, one night overnight stay is, is, um, is, is, is as long as it gets. It's a lot less than it used to be. It used to be tummy tucks for three nights, um, but now everything's, I don't know what's happened. It's like, what's happened in the world? Why were they three nights before? Could they not have gone at home or one night? I don't know what's happening. I lived in that world when there were three nights. I used to keep people in for three nights and drains in for three nights and all this. And now I'm taking the drain out after one night and they're going home. And um, it's, just, it's, it's just the way the world, I don't know. Maybe they could have gone home. Well, presumably they could have gone home at one night back then, but we just all, because everyone did it, everyone did it. Um, I mean, even circumferential tummy tucks is one night. Uh, one night a hostel drains out home. Capsulectomies, one night drain out, drain out at home. So, you know, some people back in the day and maybe even still today, people are leaving drains in for weeks, two weeks, but uh, we're using, leaving them less and less. So, yeah, so the normal regime for a uh, fire lift will be one night stay in hospital, drains in, see you the next day, get you up, walking around, drains out home. So, uh, yeah, that's the normal, you know, try and get you pottering around and up and about at day one and uh, and home that's quite a big thigh lift as well because i only do the the uh, longitudinal incision so i don't don't do the, the limited incision in the groin so it's quite a big operation a thigh lift but uh, nevertheless despite that still one night in hospital uh, and then you go home the next day so uh, that is the hospital stay of a thigh lift for those who are interested so uh all right bake-off's back on face it but anyway daughter wants to watch it so i keep my voice down don't want to be critical of bake off um anyway so go and, go and sit in with that if you've got any other questions uh speak now or forever hold your peace we well, don't have to forever hold your peace you can leave a message or you can um well no leave a message that's basically the only well you can join next week and ask it live so uh yes so um i'm very much looking forward to seeing you next week seven o'clock and uh, please do leave a comment in the description. Uh, does that work? It doesn't work on Instagram, does it? Uh, direct message me on Instagram or leave a comment on Facebook or 
but not Facebook, YouTube, yeah, and Facebook news comments. I don't know. Anyway, you just leave a comment or phone up or something if you've got any questions. And I will, oh, loco, loopy lose. I wish I could like that. Thank you for thanking me. Uh, and good luck with the tensing your, tensing your muscles. Yeah, I don't know. Let me know if it works. If it, I think it's not bad advice. Loco, loopy lose, tense your muscles. As I say, a bit like the pel do your public floor at the same time. Um, might, might, who knows? We might all be doing it. I, you might have a visionary surgeon that um, I'm, uh, we've got the Bart's meeting. Actually, when's the Bart's meeting? Not, is it next week or week? Crikey, it's not next week, is it? God, it is next week. God in heaven, it's next week. Yeah, so I've uh, got the Bart's you know, uh, maybe it's a Maybe it's a thing. So um, anyway, but I say it's next week. It's the end of the week. It's Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So Tuesday, I will be here uh in a live setting so i'm look, very much looking forward to seeing you all then so uh and good luck number one butsy uh i hope i hope things dry up but uh if it's if it's dragging on exploring the wound i guess would be the next step um but uh ideally that would be the turkey people but that might be hard but now but that's yeah good good luck with everything and uh yeah thanks for participating thanks for commenting and um see you next week take it easy look at that seven people eight people oh six thought it went up then anyway facebook slash youtube good to see you here this evening and i will see you next week at the same time have a question not covered in today's show then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.